Speaking the language of leadership, the journey, read by the author and coach Colin Lutard. Managers like to achieve goals more than anything else. However, in the ambition to achieve goals, they tend to take shortcuts. They would rather have the people follow their suggestions and have them do as they were told. But too often, the results don't turn out the way the managers want them to be. If managers want to have different results the next time, they have to start to do things differently. However, it is not the large investment or the bold restructuring that made the difference in this story, but numerous small changes in behavior and communication. This is what changed the result of this company. Without any investments or organizational changes. Instead, the company worked with cultural changes, bringing the people to be organized and focusing on the common goals and enjoying their achievements. This company increased its turnover by nearly 50% in two years. Speaking the language of leadership shows the impact of communication on people and organizations. The managers develop their ability to use their language skills to express and communicate more deeply in different situations. Through the numerous events, the listener to this audiobook can follow a coach and the managers at this company to see how they changed and learned to understand each other. They all became strong leaders. Based on real people that had true challenges, this book illustrates in daily business how situations developed and how they changed. It gives the listener insight on how the leaders can use their communication skills to give situations a positive turn. It is all based on a true story. As an author and coach, of course, I was very concerned in protecting the identity of the individuals of this true story. But I didn't want to write a theoretical book about leadership because that wouldn't have paid the efforts that these people went through to reach these achievements justice. So instead, I created a story called Speaking the Language of Leadership, where all these characters have a role and they go through the whole story over the period of nearly two years and you can follow their changes, their thoughts, their challenges and their situations and learn from them because you will recognize many of these situations yourself from your daily work as well as if it was actually your company or your workplace or even your team. So why don't I just let the main characters introduce themselves for a moment? Well, I might as well go first. My name is David Swart. I came over to DGC back in 1993 as a project manager for R&D. And I've been working hard since then, which actually got me a promotion to become the R&D manager in 2001. Since then, I'm responsible for all the projects that have been running at R&D. And I can tell you there are many of them, and we have to make sure that we take the right decisions and make sure that every project has the right resources so that we can deliver that on time. Well, Carl, why don't you go next? Uh, okay, I'm, I'm Carl Grün. I joined DGC, let me see, when was that? I think it was also around 1992. I was a shift manager at DGC here. 
And um, after nearly 10 years, then I became the production manager here in Zumbiberg. And I was um, uh, managing the production and all the related activities and coordinating the shifts. And um, then only a few years afterwards, back in 2006, then I was became production manager um, and the manager of logistics as well, which is quite a quite a large task in optimizing all the workflow. And um, my main point is whatever we're doing here is that everybody should know their goals and everybody should follow their goals because goals have to be measurable. And this really shows what people can do and what they can achieve. Hi, my name is Philippa Ask. I am the director of finance and Come on, actually, I don't have a lot of time to do this introduction because I have to make sure that I go back to my reports. Thanks. Oh, hello there. My name is Krista Pink. I'm the director of HR and um, I joined DGC in 99. So I've been around here not quite as long as everybody else. But uh, I'm happy to be here on the management team. That is quite a new role for me. And I hope the new managing director, Marcus here, he doesn't introduce too many new changes to the organization because that is really hard for us to swallow. Our people really like stability and continuity. Thank you, everybody, for this round of introduction. My name is Marcus. I'm the managing director of DGC and um, also marketing director. And uh, as you know, DGC belongs to the German group GenConvert. And I am quite sure that DGC has everything in place to grow our business quite tremendously. And specifically together, I think we can have some great achievements during the next couple of years. Now that you have met the management team of DGC, you should be ready to join the first part, chapter one of the journey. You have been listening to a chapter of Speaking the Language of Leadership, read to you by the author and coach, Colin Lutart. If you would like to know more about Speaking the Language of Leadership or the method presented in this book called Its Four Sides of Leadership and reach out to me, Coach Colin, then you simply write an email to language at itsfoursides.com. That's language at it's foresights.com and we'll take it from there. Take care. Speaking the language of leadership, the journey, read by the author and coach Colin Lutard. The Situation Chapter 1 Starting the Journey It was Monday, November 2nd, 722. Marcus Daum got off the bus and pulled his zip fastener higher on his leather jacket. It was only a short walk to Westeros Station Hall, but it was a cold and windy autumn morning. It was still dark, no light in the sky. The clouds would barely let any daylight through. It was typical for a November day in Sweden. Marcus walked with the crowd leaving the bus, but quickly decided to move faster towards the station hall than others. He had things to do this week. The sense of action drove him ahead. 
He was the first from the bus to reach the station hall as he pulled the door open and stepped in. The hall was more crowded than usual. The weather, he thought, and already dreaded the winter commute that lay ahead of him. He had been commuting to Stockholm for 18 months now, and that included already one winter experience. It was always the same experience, overcrowded trains, many times no seat to sit, trains that were late or sometimes even cancelled. When he had moved to Sweden with his family, he had not quite expected this. The image of the Swedish transport system had been much better abroad. Marcos was not going to dwell on this, he decided. It is just part of life. Instead, he straightened up and made his way through the waiting people. He had nine minutes before the 7.34 left for Stockholm. Just enough time to get to coffee, he thought. It was his Monday morning treat, as he called it. This is to get a good start into the week. Wayne's coffee stand was located round the corner to the left. There were not too many people at Wayne's and he was the next in line at the counter. One large latte to go, please, Marcus said. He looked at the waiter. That makes 38 kroner, the waiter behind the counter said. Anything else? That's all, thanks. Marcus replied, trying a smile. He didn't have more time. Looking out onto the platform, the clock was moving towards 7.28. The Stockholm train would soon pull into the platform. Marcus was watching the procedure and amazed how long it took to make a latte. It seemed like time had stopped and it took forever. The train was announced at the moment his latte was placed on the counter. Marcus had the 20 kroner bills and the Wayne's bonus card ready. Keep the change, he said, as the guy stamped his bonus card. Quickly stuffing the card into his pocket, he grabbed the coffee and his computer bag and left hastily, never turning or hearing the thanks from the waiter. He made his way back into the hall to join the other commuters out onto the platform. Turning left, he decided to try to make for the end of the platform, where the people appeared to be standing less dense. The train pulled in and Marcus was hoping that it would stop just where he stood, so that he could get on the train first. It happened occasionally. Watching the train slow down, he tried to make a guess where it would stop. Marcus was the second person on the train. A quick decision was needed now, left or right, lower or upper compartment. He felt he had to take chances. With other passengers pushing from behind, there was no time for a second thought. He decided for the left lower compartment and waved his cup of coffee in front of the door sensor. The door slid open and he stepped into the compartment. Scanning the seats, he estimated that one third of the seats were free. Not bad. He took the first free seat facing Stockholm and sat down. It was a double seat. So he slid towards the window, put his computer bag under his knees on the floor and folded the table down. He put his coffee on the table, unzipped his jacket, he felt warm. Exhaling through his nose, he relaxed. Let the week begin. Another person sat next to him and unfolded the metro newspaper. Marcus was distracted for a moment, trying to capture any headlines. But as the train started to move, he was pulled back into his own thoughts. Looking over the headrest in front of him through the corridor of the compartment of the train, his view went into a gaze. This week was going to be different. In fact, he thought, the whole month is going to be really different. Nothing is going to be the same. Marcus had been appointed managing director of the company DigiC outside of Stockholm back in June. This was not unexpected. He had joined DigiC as marketing manager a year before and now that the former managing director retired, it was his turn to move up as planned. DigiC was a manufacturing plant and Marcus liked the fact 
that they concentrated on manufacturing and development of specific components that converted any kind of analog to digital signals for any industry purpose. Like this, they could serve the multinational industrial German group GenConvert, located close to Frankfurt, with a wide range of products and services for the global markets. Back in 2002, GenConvert had acquired DigiC, but luckily for DigiC, as long as the growth of revenue at DigiC was positive and the results were profitable, GenConvert had soon little interest in operations at DigiC. In their best days at DGC, they had around 120 employees and the turnover had grown to 28 million euros producing electrical components that were sold to the whole group of GenConvert. When Marcus was hired, the president of the GenConvert group had played a big role in making sure that Marcus got that position. Now things were changing gradually. GenConvert had initiated a program called One Company which was targeted to bring the different production and sales units closer together. Over the past years, DGC had been working quite independently. Nothing really had changed since the takeover. But the current president at GenConvert had been quite explicit in his expectations on Marcos as the new MD of DGC. Today was going to be the first week when Marcos really was going to live up to that. He took a sip of his coffee and thought about the coming day. At 9.15 he would meet the management team, like every Monday. The agenda was as usual, going through the key figures from sales, finance and production from the previous week. That would take them just under an hour. Then they would talk about any deviation from the plan and look forward into the coming week. Normally the meeting finished in time to check the morning mail before they left for lunch. This was the sequence Marcos had inherited from his predecessor, but Marcos became less and less satisfied with this meeting. He was wondering if the format was okay, and he was also uncertain if he had the right people on the team for the changes he would have to make. He realized that the coffee tasted good, and he took another sip while the train pulled into the station on the way. All's done. The small town station held more travelers on the cold station to squeeze into the train. More people got on. It was Monday and Marcus thought that it was good to have a seat for the 40 minutes train ride to Sundbyberg close to Stockholm. He considered himself lucky. He drank some more coffee and admired the Blue Wayne's logo on the cup and started to imagine the boardroom and the DGC management team. There was Karl Grön, the production and logistics manager. He was a fair-haired, slim man in his late thirties. Karl had been working in production ever since he joined DGC. In discussions, Karl appeared very open and quick to think. He liked the exchange of ideas with Karl, most of the times. But sometimes, Marcus had noted, the discussions were too frequent and too long. There were occasions where Marcus felt challenged by Karl, and that was not good for the future. Marcus wondered if Karl hadn't wanted his job instead. But actually, he was not sure. He was going to observe Karl in more detail to see if he was loyal to him. Let's give him a couple of months. Marcus had set himself a deadline that by the beginning of next year he would have to be clear with. David's sport was different. As the R&D manager, David talked a lot too and he liked to discuss things. But he also had a good idea how things should be done and seemed to get them done. There was always a plan. David even seemed to accept other views and ideas that were presented to him and Marcus liked that. He seemed to be open and supportive. 
It was more give and take in the relationship. Then there was Krista Pink, the human resource manager. People would definitely think about Krista as a people person. Krista was obviously overweight, but he didn't care. He thought that the extra weight matched him. Being well over 50 years of age, some people called him Uncle Krista. He was quick in relating to people and building relations. In fact, Krista was the first one to introduce Marcus to the organization when he joined DGC the year before. The only disadvantage with Krista was that he needed a lot of space and time in meetings. Perhaps this was due to the fact that Krista had not been on the management team before and he felt this to be a promotion. He must feel uncertain in his role and position and like to compensate that with extra talking. But that came close to showing off and Marcus was not sure how the other members had appreciated his decision to promote Krista. Last on the team was Philippa Ask. People at DigiC said if you wanted to get things done, you give it to Philippa, the finance manager. Philippa was a woman with principles. She had a tight control over her team and never let them drop a ball. Marcus' conclusion was, this was a good thing for finance. It was a good match. Unfortunately, she knew much more than she ever shared in the meetings they had together. It was like milking a stone. Marcus chuckled to himself at the image and he wondered if anyone heard him in the train. He checked, but nobody appeared to take any notice. Marcus had finished his coffee by the time the train moved closer to Sundbyberg on the outskirts of Stockholm. The train rattled and swayed as it negotiated the points and it slowed down. He signaled to his neighbor his intention to get off. He folded his table, grabbed his computer bag and stretched to reach the empty cup. Then he waited for the train to stop. When he had gone through the station, the 805 bus was already waiting, ready to leave. It was a short five minutes ride. In the summer, Marcus often enjoyed the short 1500 meters walk up to the office at Jernbergsgarten, but not on a cold, dark November morning. If the bus was waiting, he used to take it. The bus dropped him off at the crossroads to Björksvägen, and Marcus walked the last 150 meters to the office. Did you see is located in a well-modernized two-story building from the 1970s. Everyone liked it, especially since they spent a lot of money and renovated the entire facility some 10 years ago. Marcus passed the extension behind the parking that housed the manufacturing and took the three steps up to the main lobby in one big step and entered. To the left, Barbara, the receptionist, greeted him with a pleasant good morning, Marcus, which he returned just as friendly. Barbara had been with UGC for 25 years and never failed to start work at 7.45 when they opened reception. She was very reliable. Sometimes he wished he had more people like Barbara. He had passed Barbara and took his stairs up to his office on the first floor. It was 8.30 when Marcus Daum reached his office. It was the corner office that gave him a view to the south over the train tracks into Stockholm. It was a busy line, and luckily they had fitted triple pave glass when the building was renovated. That took away any disturbing noise. He walked around his L-shaped black desk, which was half facing the window and the door. He put his computer bag onto his office chair, pulled his laptop out and jammed it onto the docking station to the left far corner of his desk and flipped the power key. While the laptop started up, he took his leather jacket off and hung it over his coat stand in the corner of his office. 
his computer hummed and changed startup screens. Marcus looked out of his office towards the marketing department. He glanced along the left side of the office landscape along the windows. He looked over the green divider walls that separated the different desks to see if there were any people to be seen. He was looking for Jenny, his marketing assistant. Marcus was also in charge for marketing at GGC. The job as marketing manager he had not given up yet for three reasons. He liked marketing, it gave him a pulse to the market he loved so much, and he had not found the right candidate for the job. Finally, the last economic downturn had not allowed him to add any more personnel. Jenny, his assistant, came into the department and greeted him. She knew he was due for the meeting with the other directors Monday mornings, so she just checked if there was anything special. Morning, Marcus. Had a nice weekend? Morning, Jenny. Yes, thanks. Spent some time decorating the kitchen. Makes a nice change from doing some handiwork around the house this time of year. It'll look great for Christmas. And you? Marcus replied. Yes, we didn't do much. Had an evening with friends and relaxed, she said. Anything special this morning? she added. No, we're good, Marcus said. The meeting for the other directors was scheduled for 9.15. As some of the managers had a commute to the office too, this time had been in line with everyone's wishes. It left Marcus enough time to settle in, start his computer, and look at the items from the upcoming meeting one more time. His most important point for this Monday was the agenda items he had been discussing with his directors. It was going to be the strategy presentation for the next five years. Together, they had been working on the presentation that they were going to roll out into the organization. Today should be the last time they reviewed it. Marcos left his office just after nine and always made sure that he was in the conference room a couple of minutes before the start time. The conference room they used was across the hall from his office. It had a friendly wooden decor with a long side covered with curtains that let in the daylight on this gloomy November morning. He took his chair and started up the computer in the conference room. From here, all the presentations that the other directors had loaded in the morning would be shown during the meeting. In the past, everyone had brought their own laptop and connections were shared during the meeting. Files were sent back and forth. Now everything was on one disk and they could easily go back to previous meetings if it was necessary. Jenny stored the minutes in the same directory so that all was together. That was a routine now. David Swart, the R&D manager, was the first one to enter the room. Hi, Marcus, he said. Good morning, David. Marcus stopped working on his computer and looked up. How are things? Great, David said and continued. Look, we have this French competitor that is keeping us busy at one of our customers. They have introduced a new sensor and they're really showing some good results. We should invest in that area and see if we can beat them. David was eager as always. Marcus knew if he had got into this discussion, it would easily need 10 minutes before he actually knew what they were talking about. David was so impulsive. Luckily, Krista Pink, HR manager, and Philippa Ask, the finance manager, enter and Krista immediately involved David in a conversation about the weekend hockey match. Philippa entered and said, Good morning, to all and sat down quietly and arranged the notes. Jenny joined Philippa at the table and started loading the presentation files for the meeting so that they could have them ready when the files were needed. Last one to enter was Carl Gruen, the production manager. Carl sat down next to Philippa and started looking around to see what the others were doing. He watched Krista and David arguing about the hockey match. Looking at the screen with the agenda of the day, Jenny said, 
I'm ready. Christ and David didn't appear to notice. Marcus got up and went over to the window where they stood intensively. Let's get started, he said to them when he was close and patted Christ on the shoulder. They turned and sat down opposite to Carl and David. The agenda on the screen read as every Monday. Production, finance, R&D, HR, marketing, general information and other issues. Carl started. Sitting, he went through the figures of last week's production. We lost 25% due to difficulties on one of the machines. This is 1500 pieces down. And we were trying to catch up. But the machine is still unstable. And they need to control the parts that come off the machine afterwards. Carl wanted to give an impression of being busy on this issue like he had done many times before. Marcus looked around the table. Everyone was busy with their own notes and nobody seemed really interested. Uh, we have some quality issues with one of the uh, major suppliers, Carl continued. Uh, as you know, this has been going on for a while and um, we have another meeting with that company, uh, AB Sweet Supply, on Thursday. We want to make our position clear to them one more time. After a few more points from the presentation, he asked, Any more questions? He didn't expect any, and if Marcus didn't have any questions, there rarely were any questions from anybody anyway. Marcus wanted to test something. He always had wished that the different members of the management team would take more interest in each other's departments. He wanted to show them that they all relied on each other's performance. But he also knew that this was quite opposite to the behavior that the previous managing director had. First of all, he thought he could try and make the problems their own problems. This concerned all the problems the management team dealt with. He turned to Philippa. What do you think we should do, Philippa? Marcus asked to test the grounds. Uh, what? Philippa paused surprised. I'm not sure, she said uneasily. She was rarely asked to give opinions on her colleagues' performance or challenges. She normally collected the results of the financial performance and presented it. But making suggestions how the others should work had not been done in the past. Nobody did that. She looked uncomfortably being asked like this because she couldn't know how Marcus would judge her answer and what would Carl think about her suggestion in his area of business. Marcus realized that it put Philippa under pressure without intention. Sometimes he felt that he was too impatient in introducing things. He decided to take a step back. I'm sorry, Philippa. You know how our customers treat us if we don't deliver and perform on time. What would you do in Carl's position? Marcus said. That question sounded better to Philippa and she felt more comfortable in answering. Actually, she said, I would delay payments to start. If we're not getting our deliveries as expected, we should not pay them. What do you think, Carl? Is that a plausible way to move? Marcus turned to Carl. Before Carl could answer, David was already on it. That will work. Let them feel where it hurts the most. Tell them we're not going to pay anything until this is sorted out. Marcus was still looking at Carl for a reply. Mm, sure, we can try that, Carl said. He felt uneasy. He was not sure where this was going. They never had had such a discussion before. It appeared to him as if Marcus was getting on to him. But, but you know... I need to know what we owe them first to have any idea if we have got enough leverage on them. Sure, I can get that information for you, Philippa volunteered. 
I can also do a report on the training records to make sure that we don't put them at risk if we delay our payments. Okay, thanks, Philippa, Carl said, still uneasy what would come next. Don't worry, said Marcus, looking at Carl first and then at the others. He wanted to take the pressure off Carl and show the other team members why he was involving them in this discussion. We are not here to do your job. I would just like to make a point. I think we should be much more concerned about each other's work than we are today. We are the management team of DigiC and we run this company. I don't run it on my own, we run it together. You don't run production on your own, Carl, but it is part of the company. We want to be involved and get involved as a team. He looked around the table again. This was a new message for them. Before there had been individuals being busy about their own department, and now they were asked to get involved in each other's department too. They didn't quite understand what this meant. I will show you later what this means in the presentation we have been working on, Marcus finished. And in the meantime, Carl, if you think Philippa's idea is good, you're welcome to use it. Carl sat back relieved. He looked over to Philippa, asking her to take over. She was the next one to do her presentation. Jenny? Philippa looked at the screen while Jenny changed the presentation to the financial report. When she had got the computer mouse from Jenny, Philippa presented the results of the company, revenues, receivables, and cost development in the last 12 months rolling pattern. The numbers were positive, although nothing to get excited about. In view of the overall situation, we were not doing badly. We should actually be able to keep a positive result for the end of the year. Good, Mark acknowledged her judgment. What concerns me more is to understand where this is going. Philippa turned to the next set of slides, which were a couple of Excel sheets in a PowerPoint presentation. My team has been working to give us an overall top-down view of our sales, profit and cost developments. You know, we have been doing it rolling 12 months period, but we thought we could try to look ahead. Philippa was taking them through a number of slides. What we did is this. We took the pattern of sales revenues and the cost development from the last 10 years and created a 12-month index of our business. It's like a fingerprint of our business. It correlates year over year quite well. We then use the 12-month rolling results to create a gradient over what the business is doing right now and multiplied the gradient with the index to get a forecast. Philippa was quite confident in presenting this idea. She had been discussing with Marcus how they could get a better idea of the future other than their own ideas and the rough industrial forecast from the headquarters in Germany. It had been her idea, but she would never have put it forward if Marcus had not urged her to do it. She was afraid that the other team members would not approve of this. This way of looking at things is like looking into the other room through a keyhole without knowing all the influencing factors. But it gives an idea of how things could go if we just continue as we always have done. Philippa took a deep breath before she was ready to reveal what she saw. This is the diagram of the simulated sales revenues of the different product lines based on the fingerprint of the next 12 months. And this is the cost development from marketing, production, R&D and other services like HR and finance matching the same period. She waited for them to grasp the diagrams. They all looked at the curves and wondered if they interpreted the same thing. It is obvious, Philippa continued. If we develop like this, our costs are increasing faster than we are able to increase our sales. 
Carl was the first to speak. This is hard to believe. I am not sure if your figures are correct. We are constantly demanding cost reductions from our suppliers. And, and I can prove to you that we are reducing our material cost. He was trying not to sound upset. The figures from production and logistics were definitely showing upwards, but the cost was developing faster than the increase of the volume of sales. Revenues were not increasing in the same rate as the volume was, Carl had noticed. He was not going to take any bad press here, he thought. We were all in it when we decided to change operations and run three shifts. Carl felt hurt seeing his department creating the biggest negative impact on the future. He hadn't wanted that change at the time, but that all talked him into it to be able to run the machines continuously. He hadn't had a choice. In the end, this had created a lot of unrest within the production teams when they changed the groups. Many still complained that the night shift never did their job properly and the morning shift had to catch up. Carl felt hurt because he thought of himself as being hard-working and perhaps putting more hours in every week than anyone else in this group. And he especially didn't like criticism coming from Philippa, who had never been seen in the workshop. We had to hire some temporary workers to help us in the night shift. You all know that, right, Krista? Carl turned to the HR manager for help. Philippa was just watching silently the reaction from Carl. She had not expected him to be so emotional and defensive. She felt very uncomfortable to have raised the issue and was wondering if she had done anything wrong to have caused his reaction. But she was sure that this was a way of getting an idea for the future. She was not going to back off like that. But I checked all the figures that created the fingerprints over the last 10 years and they gave a good correlation to our business cycle. All we need to do is to add the run rate and the current business cycle to get a better picture of the future, she said. She was defending her presentation. Carl felt alone. He was looking for help. It's the product managers, really. They have to be out more and do more selling. Then we could bear the extra cost easily, Carl said, trying for diversion to an issue that was known to many. The product managers were often supporting the countries they liked to support, where the technical challenges were. But when it came to creating real sales, there was always something they had to develop first. This was clogging the system. And if we had the right products on the shelf, it would make things easier too, he added. But this is not what the graph is telling us, protested Philippa. This is just a simulation of what could happen in the next 12 months. Marcus needed to turn the lights away from Carl and give him some air to breathe. He didn't want Carl to feel he was onto him. Carl, you're right. We have issues with the product managers finding the right business. And we decided to run 24-7 together and hire some temporary staff to fill the gaps until we had things sorted out. The point that these figures are showing is that we have to think how we want to run DGC in the future, not who is to blame. And we have to think quickly. That is what these figures show us. Does anyone see that differently? Marcus looked at Carl and then at the others for confirmation. Carl nodded slowly. He realized that his reaction did not match Marcus' expectation. He should have reacted differently, but for some reason, Carl thought, his first reaction always was a defensive one. David always had some ideas, he said. We could do a survey on the expectations from the group to get a better picture, which products they want us to develop for the coming years. Krista had not said much so far. He 
He was not keen on new organizations, as it always meant extra work for HR and dealing with the hurt feelings of different people. He liked the approach that they might do things better together. I think it is clear to me that if we concentrate on what we are good at and not get involved in different types of experiments, that we can do this together, he said. Philippa was still surprised at Carl's reaction earlier. We can introduce clearer performance figures for the departments. In this way, we can see if the simulation is correct or if we are performing better. She thought this would help them to be more in control and get more orientation. We have enough reporting to do, Philippa, Carl said, still trying to deal with the assault he felt from Philippa's figures. And as soon as he said it, he wanted to take it back. Let's not make it complicated, Krista added, trying to allow the line, keeping what they had achieved and avoiding any more changes. Let's hold the horses here and wait with our good ideas for a while. Marcos didn't want a discussion on what to do differently right now. We will come back to that in good time. And I can assure you, I am really looking forward to listening to your ideas and suggestions. Right now, let's get on with the reporting. The report from R&D was next on the agenda and Jenny had started the presentation that she had got from David for this meeting. Ah, that is not the right one. David noted as he saw the first page. I did some updates in the last minute that are here on this memory stick. He handed a USB stick to Jenny and she started fumbling with the USB connection. Everyone was watching the screen as different pages popped in and out. Jenny was doing her best to find the right path to David's file and she didn't like the pressure of the management team watching her doing it. You see, we have this French customer who is causing us some difficulties. It isn't a big thing really but it is just annoying that we are also losing the confidence in the local team in France. They don't seem to know what they are doing, and we are wasting both time and money. It is this version of the DC-321, you see, David continued. It's all fine from our side. We did as they said, but somewhere we feel that there has been some misunderstanding between them and their customer. Their specs don't really make all that sense to us. I suggest we send some of our guys to talk to the customer directly. What do you think? David looked at Marcus. Marcus took a deep breath and thought, here we go. So this is about the DC321 project and our team colleagues. They had, we thought we had a deal with them, but we're stuck with the total cost of developing the customized version of the DC320, David interrupted. And what was the deal about? Marcus tried again to get the facts together. We were to follow the specs and secure the order. Now the order has not come through, and they say we have changed the specs. This is not getting very far, Marcus thought. It was like having a pile of puzzle pieces on the table and trying to figure out the total picture by turning and looking at different pieces at a time. But Marcus decided to give David one more chance to explain it. What was the deal about? We kept our side of the deal, but they are not paying us for the R&D efforts we put into developing the DC-321. I think you should get involved in this, Marcus. Okay, David, said Marcus. He gave up. We're not going to solve this right now during our management meeting. Why don't you and I go through this case and we will have a strategy how to work with our French colleagues in this case. Is that okay for you? Sure, David said. Jenny, please reserve time between David and myself on the DC-321 project. Got that, Marcus, Jenny replied immediately. Good. 
Back to the R&D situation in general. Let's hear about the progress on the projects then. Markus looked at David's presentation that was showing on the screen. After the presentation from R&D, it was Krista Pink who was the next up for the report from HR. He showed statistics about the absentee rates and the trends. He also had figures on the expected statistics on the coming salary increase that was being negotiated currently and how GenConvert Group expected this would impact their fixed costs. He had followed the trends from the number of employees and the vacant positions. We have three open positions. This is not a lot compared to the current 110 employees, but it appears that it takes us around four months to fill the positions. That is much longer than the GenConvert average. We should take a look at our hiring process so, so that we can see how we can fill the gaps we have as quickly as possible. From the GenConvert group, we have the opportunity to use a screening tool for candidates that will make the right choice easy. Uh, I don't like that idea at all, Carl said, who had the three open positions in production. So far, we have worked well with interviewing the candidates and, and, and talking to their references. We don't need to change that at all. But we need some more help to screen recruits if we want to live up to the corporate values that the group is communicating. Krista really believed that working with the values would help to attract new employees. Adding to that, he also felt that the corporate values would help the employees of DGC find another way of acting and behaving. They often discussed misbehavior within DGC, and he thought that this would allow the managers to be more proactive on this subject. But in the past, the management team had not been very receptive about this approach. We have to be clear for ourselves what is more important. Do we want to produce high-quality products as efficiently as possible or become friendly and touchy with everyone? Carl was a believer of setting goals and delegating clear responsibilities. As a production manager, he loved goals that could be presented in numbers. That made it so measurable on black and white. You either reached the goal or you didn't. That was his motto. My gut feeling has never failed me when it comes to deciding on my personnel. It is not a question of not manufacturing less efficiently. Additionally, introducing corporate values within the group is something we cannot avoid, said Krista, sharing more information. They are even going to ask us to look into the use of corporate values within our managers. In this way, they want to screen potential candidates for the talent program they are thinking of starting. Bah! Carl made a hand gesture and shrugged. Whatever. So far, he had weathered so many internal storms, he thought he could sit this one out as well. He knew what the company wanted from him. The only thing that counted was the numbers of products shipped. All in all, this went like many other management meetings Marcus had joined during his 18 months at GGC, he thought to himself. They were the usual presentation of figures, explanations, excuses and a few defensive arguments. They never really took on any challenges as a team. Everyone tried to figure out things from their own side, didn't expect anybody to really care about how things went or to really offer any help to their colleagues. 
Then it was Marco's turn. He went through the slides and bullet points he had on the marketing of the products. He showed how the sales of the new products were doing and what the responses from the different sales units in the GentConvert group were. They were complaining about the responses they were getting because DGC was too slow and inaccurate in their reactions. In general, the sales units were getting the technical support they wanted. It was not a question of competence. They were neither satisfied with the cooperation, the reactions, the attitude and the behavior they were getting in front of their customers, nor with the product quality and delivery time. Nearly everybody had some complaint. It was not a catastrophe as a whole, but it was a general tendency that was not positive. They were still doing quite well and sales were growing, but DGC was not a supplier that people in the sales units in the GenConvert group liked working with. That showed in the sales figures because DGC had not the same market penetration as other products in the GenConvert group. If we compare our share of sales to other production units within the GenConvert group, we are lower than the others and we're not growing as fast as they do, Marcus pointed out. We have to think what we're going to do about this. Nobody disagreed and nobody volunteered ideas how to change that. And this is not an issue that marketing can fix on their own, Marcus said after pause. Even that we will change, Marcus thought to himself. They were done quicker than usual. It looks like they wanted to know what was coming. Let's get some coffee before we move on to the next item. Shortly after, they were back with their coffees, eager to see how Marcus would suggest to deal with this situation. We have been working on the presentation of our five-year business plan and I think we should be ready to sign it off, Marcus started and looked around. Everybody seemed to nod with approval. The first couple of slides were about the sales and results figures of the current years, including the closing forecast for the current year. There was nothing to be added. The result would be just over 22 million euros in revenues. That was a lot lower than the 28 million of the previous year, but the economic downturn had hit them all really hard. This is what it is, Marcus said. This is not about pointing fingers at anyone. We just have to accept that we are doing much less as before. It all seemed so unfair, David thought to himself. They had been doing so well and then they got hit. Without warning, everything just stopped. He remained doubtful if they could get back to the level of business they had a couple of years before. The next set of slide was a list of technical challenges and achievements that showed the success over the past years. They had made improvements on the production that allowed them to run 24-7. There were new product launches that were successful in the past and they had started a new department for after-sales that was welcomed by the global sales organization of GenConvert. Even their lead time had improved by 30%. Marcus stood up and walked to the front of the table. We should be proud of the achievements of the past. We have shown that we can achieve good things and we have all the people and tools to continue to do that. He formed his right hand to a fist to strengthen his belief in this point. Wait till they get busy again. Then we will see the same excuses, shouting and arguing like we had done before. Christo thought to himself, it is easy to do a good job when you have little to do. He folded his arms and leaned further back in his chair. The following pages gave a financial outlook of the next five years. And this is where we have the challenges, 
Marcus waved his hand at the screen behind him. Look at the figures. If we had the same market share as the other production units in Gen Convert, we would be selling twice the amount as in the best year. Marcus took his time to read a few statements from the other colleagues in the group. Our competition lies within ourselves and the group. He pointed that out clearly. Of course, the economy will help us, but only halfway. The rest will come from our own efforts. From 28 million euros revenues, we have to grow more than 50%. That would mean we have to be well over 40 million euros in revenues in five years. But, but then we have to employ more people for production, Karl pushed back. He already was seeing his production team complaining that they were working hard and couldn't do more. We just said we were running flat in three shifts. We can't do more. We have to have products that sell first too, David said. This was an opportunity to set the frame. He always thought that production got the first choice in hiring. Marcus recognized this part of the discussion when everyone tried to stake out his or her claim for the future. They were already expressing different reservations and conditions how to achieve the future ideas and goals, but he was not going to buy it. Philippa, what are the overall guidelines from Germany concerning overhead cost development? Marcus asked. Growth with zero cost increase is the goal, Philippa replied. David waved a hand at her and grunted. That is what they say, she defended herself. We could do some training for the people. That typically helps, Chris offered. After all, we're not running flat out yet, so it would be good to get some training in right now. That will motivate the people. That only works for a while, Carl said, putting it off. They, they come back and ask extra money because they think they are more qualified after the training. Ah, but in the end, nothing really changes. Marcus realized that they were having the same discussion again and again. You are all right. We have to find another way. Fact is that there is a great opportunity. If we can do more with the salespeople in the group to sell our products, right? Everybody nodded. Fact is also, Marcus continued, that we are not allowed to hire more people, right? Marcus saw heads nodding again. And thirdly, Marcus paused, we all want to sell more of our products and show the group that we are a player to reckon with. We want to take up more space, right? Heads were nodding, but a little slower. The delay of their responses made Marcus wonder if they really knew how to do this. Look, I don't have all the answers, but I am sure that as a team we have enough experience to turn this into something really good. We will find out how to do this together. My question to you all today is the following. Do you want to embark on this journey together while we find out how to do this? He asked. Marcus looked at each and every one. One by one they replied. Yes. Good, Marcus thought. We have a platform to start to work from. My idea is that we don't change so much what we work with, but we take a look at how we work. I am sure we can look at many meetings and processes and think that we could improve them a lot, Marcus waited. That is true, David said, looking at Carl. Our departments don't really work well together. Uh, and even among your own team, you could do better, Carl said, trying to protect his team from getting any blame. David took a deep breath and was going to say something. 
That is what I mean, Marcus said, with open hands to both. We lose a lot of time instead of solving the problems. We need to change that, together. That is why I have invited a trainer and coach to work with us to find out what we can change and do even better. It is not that we are bad. Look at our results. We are quite successful. But if we want to increase our revenues by more than 50%, something else has to change. Who do you have in mind? Krista asked curiously. Some of you have met our corporate trainer who has been doing sales and leadership training in the GenConvert group in Germany and around the globe. He has already done sales training for our product managers and they liked it a lot. I have asked him to come to us to have a first meeting, totally open and unconditional. Sounds okay to me, Krista confirmed. Anyone else? He turned to his colleagues. Why not? Let's give it a try, David said. He felt a little uneasy. We're all in it together, right? Good. Then it is decided. In order not to lose time, I have checked calendars with the coach and the next date he can make it is for November 12. How will that work for you? Marcus asked, looking around as everyone checked their calendars quickly. They confirmed it looked good. Okay, then. This applies to all the directors. Jenny, would you please confirm this day event and book an off-site place for our first meeting with the coach? Sure. Jenny said. Marcus was delighted. The journey was starting. You have been listening to a chapter of Speaking the Language of Leadership, read to you by the author and coach Colin Lutart. If you would like to know more about Speaking the Language of Leadership or the method presented in this book called Its Four Sides of Leadership and reach out to me, Coach Colin, then you simply write an email to language at itsforsides.com. That's language at itsforsides.com. And we'll take it from there. Take care.